I want to tell you about a podcast you should check out. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and it busts common myths about special education. As a parent myself of a child who's had an IEP since kindergarten and he's now a 10th grader, I know how confusing, overwhelming, frustrating, sometimes daunting the whole process can be. I checked out an episode of Understood Explains called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 Plans. And what I love about it is how easily Juliana explains everything. She answers common questions that probably every parent or caregiver has. She dispels myths and is concise and to the point. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And there's a direct link in the show notes if you need it. You're listening to Make Some Noise Minisode number 580. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast, a mini-sode. I'm so glad that you're here. I have another listener request that I'm bringing you today. This one is about taking up space. The listener asked, uh, she said, taking up space and everything that comes along with it. Well, that's that's quite a quite an ask, but I'm going to do my best over here. And I'm going to bring to you some excerpts from my book, my third book, Make Some Noise. Link is in the show notes, or you can go to my website. And there's, was it the first chapter? I think it was the very first chapter. Let me see. Yes, it is chapter one. And the chapter title is Start Taking Up Some Damn Space. And there's a reason, I mean, I think for the most part in my books, the chapters go in kind of a certain order. At the very least, the first chapters are there on purpose. I've mentioned this before because I know, because I participate in this behavior, a lot of people only read the first few chapters of a self-help book and get either distracted or overwhelmed or they don't like it or whatever. And so I want the first chapters to be what I deem are my favorite or most important. All right. So taking up space, it is one of those terms, expressions, if you will, in personal development that gets used a lot, I think, especially I've talked, uh, I think in this book, actually, I talked about the miniaturization, actually, it was in How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, the miniaturization of of self-help, and it drives me a little bit crazy, but I get it. And taking up space is one of those things where we just put it out there without a whole lot of context or explanation about what it looks like. And you can probably make your assumptions, and I'm speaking specifically for women who have the experience of of growing up as a girl or woman, you identify that way. And our social conditioning teaches us 
to not take up a lot of space, to leave the most room for others, to make everyone feel comfortable, to put their needs and comfort before our own. And with that comes making yourself small, shrinking to make sure all of those things happen. So to take up space might look like a few different things. Taking up space could be things like giving your opinion. It could be expressing your emotions fully. It could be not backing down when someone tries to make you wrong for feeling a certain way, for saying a certain thing. Maybe they're trying to shut down a conversation or or worse, gaslight you into thinking that you're crazy or too much or whatever it is that you're overreacting and try to shut the conversation down. You taking up space would be to refuse to to back down to that. Setting boundaries, setting boundaries, setting boundaries is a big part of taking up space. We can also take up space with our appearance, whether that is doing something a little bit unconventional, you know, tattoos or piercings or a non-traditional color of hair or hairstyle, also aging, also living your life unapologetically in a larger body, showing your stretch marks or scars. These are things that can can be categorized as taking up space. Race can also uh, be a way of taking up space. I want to read to you a quick quote that uh, Jessica Sharp, who's actually been on the show, I quoted her in my book, and here's what she says about taking up space. She says, as a millennial black woman, I feel like I have to think about how I show up with a particular organization. I have to decide if I should show up as my full self. I know that there may be feedback that I am intimidating or a lot, and assume that if I were a white woman, that feedback would be less likely to be received. I have to balance myself with not being too much because I am often fearful that I'll be perceived as an angry black woman. My age does not help. I sometimes feel like the room expects me to be more passive and quieter because I'm often the youngest in the room, although I'm equally as qualified as everyone else. And I want to I want to also mention specifically how we can take up space with our voices so what that might look like, uh, and let me read an excerpt from, from Make Some Noises on page seven. Recent studies showed that schoolgirls are more prone to do things like laugh off sexist jokes by their friends and not appear too smart in order to not scare off the boys, not appear bitchy or unsexy, end quote. I work with a decent amount of women in corporate and we talk about, and I coach them around their leadership skills, and not just that, but just ways for them to move up in the company and and just to to grow more in their careers. And I would say that anytime I'm having that conversation, there is something around this, and it could vary. Sometimes there are women who are afraid to sort of for lack of a better expression, elbow their way into meetings and conversations where they have opinions and ideas, they hesitate. And even a moment of hesitation can, you know, somebody else can jump in. And then before you know it, the meeting might change the subject and they're off to a different topic and you've lost your opportunity to give your idea at that particular meeting. It might be things like that, or it might be, you know, I had, I remember a particular client who instead of, 
she she would talk in meetings, but anytime she had a specific idea around something new, she wouldn't share it in the meeting in order to try to collaborate. She would hold back and then do a lot of research. She called it going rogue. She would do a lot of research on her end to make sure that she knew as much as she possibly could about the particular topic before even broaching it in the meeting. I mean, this was a, something that may or may not have even been adopted by her colleagues, her team. And so it's it's it can be these small nuanced things where we, you know, it could be a little bit of self-sabotage, but it, for the most part, it's just a a kind of smallness that we create in our lives where we do it to keep us safe. And on that same note, sometimes it legitimately is unsafe for people to take up space. I, I want to say that, you know, you could be in a relationship that is, um, abusive and it it is just not safe. So I just I want to make sure that I acknowledge that. But what I'm talking here most about in regards to taking up space, making some noise, it is about our emotions, it's about our voices, it's about our ideas, our opinions, our bodies, our appearance, that type of thing. So what is it costing us? Like why does it matter? Why do I care so much? <laughs> It's, you know, you could go through your life playing it safe. You you could, and you could probably live a happy life. And for many of us, taking up space is to take risks and is to step out of your comfort zone. And as I've talked about many times, a, a lot of the time, stepping out of your comfort zone and taking a risk is the thing that's going to get you to where you want to go. And even if you mess up along the way, even if you fail, I promise you, there will be growth. Sometimes that growth is realizing how goddamn resilient you are. Sometimes that growth might be something that you weren't even expecting, you know, realizing there's some kind of family of origin thing going on or realizing that you self-sabotage or realizing that you really like to stay in your... I mean, it just... It, the The things are endless of what conclusions you could come to if you take the risk, if you step out of your comfort zone, if you take up space and it gets messy. Growth is inevitable. But I think the more obvious one is that we end up having regrets when we don't take up space, when we don't say our idea out loud at the team meeting, when we don't give our opinion, when we don't set that boundary, when we laugh off the sexist joke, when we, uh, you know, realize that we always wanted to dress a certain way when we were in college and we never did it because we wanted to fit in. Those re regrets stack up. And I think we all go through life and have regrets. I don't, I don't think that's just a part of the human experience. I don't necessarily think you should try to, I mean, you can, if you want, try to go through life like no regrets. My goodness. I would have gotten into some messes with, with those impulsive decisions. However, <laughs> I digress. Regrets can add up. I tell this story in the book. When I was in my early 30s, I was in a relationship that was uh, ended up being terrible. But the point is that I I wanted to. I had gone back to college and I saw a brochure in somewhere the admissions office, counselor's office about studying abroad, abroad in Australia. And I believe it was just for a semester that you could go to Australia. It was you know within my major. All of the stars were lining up. I had the student loans to pay for it there really were no obstacles for me to go and do this. And I always wanted to go to Australia. And at the time I was dating someone and he did not want me to go. 
He was so upset, didn't want me to leave him. And I stayed behind. I didn't go. And it's just something that I, I wish that I would have just said, you know, we'll figure out this relationship when I get back. I'm not going to be gone forever. It's just for a semester. I'll be back. And that's just one thing that I, I take away from from when I was younger that I regret. And it was because I was afraid to take up space with what I wanted. So yes, that is just one example of what it is costing you to, to not take up space. So we're going to take a quick ad break. And when we get back, I'm going to talk about the solution. How do we, how do we fix this? How do we avoid not taking up space? Be right back. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent with sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. The first step is is taking inventory about where and when and maybe with whom you do this. You do this with. As I will always tell you, you have to name it to tame it. You can't do the work unless you understand and see where it's popping up in your life. And so, as I am talking about this, are you thinking about certain places in your life where you hide where you are make where you make yourself small where you you know is it at work is it maybe at work only with certain people is it at home with certain family members or even maybe you feel that you're better now about it but it was certain times in your life maybe when you were a teenager that you were wanting to keep yourself small for fear of what this might be something for you to journal on Maybe do, some people like to do like a timeline, break down different times in your life or break down different areas of your life. You know, your role as a, as a partner, your role as an employee or a business owner or a parent, a partner. Do you play small, keep yourself small, not take up space in any of those areas of your life? I remember a few years ago, I was running a group program, which I'm bringing those back, by the way. It's very exciting. 
Uh, I haven't done group programs in a, in a few years now. So 2024, I'm going to bring some. So if you're not on my email list, make sure you do that. In a group program a few years ago, I had a participant who was talking about how she always liked to dress up for work. This is this was way back in the olden days when people used to go to the office. <laughs> I know some of you probably still do. But she talked about how, I mean, not every single day, but some of the days she liked to really dress up. It was fun for her. She felt like really great when she did it. It just was something that was fulfilling to her. And she she really did it for fun. And she found herself not wanting to do it. And there were a few different reasons. She's like, well, it, it takes a long time. And, you know, I, I many times would rather sleep the extra 20 minutes. But one of the things that she said was, it makes me stand out. And it there's a part of that that makes me uncomfortable because people always comment like, your hair looks so great. Oh my gosh, you did your makeup. It's so pretty. And love your outfit. Where did you get that skirt? Like all of those comments where people stop and really kind of, you get put in the spotlight and that's uncomfortable. You're taking up space. So those are the kind of moments that I want you to think about, which brings me to the second part of this internal work. And that is for you to look at the why and just get curious. And here are some questions from this particular section in the book. This is on page 12. The subtitle, the subheading is the why. And I ask you, who is benefiting from your being or staying small and playing it safe? Who or what is benefiting from you not speaking up? Have you not asked for the promotion, but you want to, and you're being passed over? Maybe it's something seemingly small, like the guy next to you taking over the armrest on a plane during the whole flight. Or perhaps no one is directly benefiting from your playing small, but it's become your comfort level after so many years of acting this way. For instance, say you want to start your own side business, but it requires you reaching out to people to possibly be your customers, and that's too far out of your comfort zone. So you procrastinate and find yourself scrolling for hours on Instagram. No one is actually benefiting from you doing this, but the obvious fact is that you're actively going against something you really want. End quote. So I would say the why there is self-protection, not wanting to take the risk, et cetera, et cetera. And the last part of this internal work is to question your objectives. Nope, that's a lie. I read that wrong. <laughs> not question your objectives, question your objections, your objections. Okay. So for instance, because you're a normal human being, you might have a fear of standing out. You might have a fear of being judged. You might have a fear of people saying things behind your back. So here, here's the truth of it. You probably will get judged by some people somewhere in your life, in your entire lifetime. You, you have been judged. I, I will tell you that for sure. And you're going to continue to get judged because we as human beings love to do that. They'll have things to say about you, expressing yourself more, giving your opinion, setting boundaries, wearing all the makeup, whatever it is. And I, one of the things that's helped me realize, you know, because I still feel the initial sting of that, but one of the things that helps me recover from that quickly now is that I think about all the times I've judged people and I am very certain that that is about me. That is about me 
worrying that I might stand out like that person. It's about me worrying that I would make a mistake if I did that. It's about me feeling like, uh, you know, maybe even a little contempt in there, like I'm better than that. You know, my friend calls that a case of the better thans. So we all do that, right? When we're judging other people, some variation of that. And when I think about and worry about other people judging me, if I remember like, oh, this isn't, it's not even about me really. The end of the day, it's their projection of their own stuff. And that's a spectrum. They might have a lot of deep stuff. They might just have a little bit of stuff. It doesn't, it's not about me at all. And that's a journey to get to that place where you can accept that and move on from it. Sometimes we ruminate on it, but the more you do your best to choose that perspective, the easier that can become. So from the book, quote, your goal is to not avoid all of this. Speaking of you know judgment, things like that. In fact, if you're ruffling feathers, you are doing it exactly right. The goal is to take up the amount of space that is your birthright, to treat your life as if you are the one in command of it. I go on in that same chapter or that same section to say another objection that your smarty pants brain will come up with is your fear of failing at this. What if you speak up in a work meeting about one of your ideas and it flops? What if you wear that amazing new outfit and it turns out you are way underdressed? What if you decide to fully express your emotions and your partner makes fun of you for it? Again, all of this may happen. No one goes through life without putting themselves out there and once in a while getting their ass kicked. You were made for resilience. No one dies from a little embarrassment, humiliation, or even a little shame. But your soul will slowly die if you continue to give your power away every single damn day. End quote. Oh, the drama. Andrea, the drama. Okay, and then... This section, the next section is about doing that that part that I just talked about was doing the internal work. And then I go into doing the external work, which is about taking action, which I'm, I'm not going to get into that. You can check out that chapter in the book, but I think the internal work is for sure the most important part to start with if you're struggling in this area. And the last thing I want to say on this topic in this in this book Every chapter has, at the end of the chapter, I have a like a call-out box that's called the unlearning because every single chapter in this book are behaviors, which are what most of my books are, are behaviors that we're doing that have probably at this point in our lives been, been real, the habits have been created. These are, these are habits and behaviors that are embedded in our brains. And so it's broken down into four parts for every single chapter. Uh, the first one is noticing. That's the, you got to name entertainment. The second one is getting curious. So when you've identified some of those places in your life where you're making yourself small, taking up as little space as possible, just ask yourself some curiosity questions. Why do I feel the need to do this? Where did it come from? Did I ever see or hear messaging around this, maybe from the media, from my family? What was modeled for me growing up? Those kinds of questions. And there's there's more of them in the book in this section. The third step is self-compassion. Be kind to yourself. Give yourself some grace. This work is not easy. And then the last is to keep the momentum. And so, you know, talk about how this, it's a never-ending story, just like the movie. <laughs> but no horses drown in quicksand. 
if you if you know the 80s movie. It's a it's a never-ending journey, right? Just personal development in general. We are on this ride for our whole life. And that being said, I appreciate all of you who have been on this ride on the podcast the whole time. I just appreciate you listening. I appreciate your time. I am just incredibly grateful that you choose to spend it with me. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes. AndreaOwen.com slash free. And you just sign up. You get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking.